Welcome, you're listening to the rest of the sermon, a podcast where we dive deeper in content and conversation of last Sunday's sermon at Westside in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. For more information, you can visit our website at westsidepb.org. We're talking about radio this morning. Remember those? Remember (laughs) Remember those? Speaking of radio, another form of media, right out of the gate, um, movie trailers. Yep. What is a movie trailer that left an impact on you that got you really excited, like Mm. a movie preview that you remember being really excited about? To answer it super technically, to, you know, what's a movie trailer that you remember, which means I'm going to my past, probably childhood. It would absolutely be the Jurassic Park movie trailer. That's amazing. Where where the thudding. Yep. And in one of the trailers, it has Jeff um, uh, Goldblum Goldblum narrating. Yeah. And it shows the water doing the vibrating. Yep. And, yep. and you hear it and the trees move yeah. and you almost see T-Rex, but yeah. you don't because yeah. then it, you know, yeah. but that's one that I remember going, yeah. whoa, yeah. you know? Yeah. 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 What about you? Matrix. Oh. First one, yeah. The trailer for the Matrix. I mean, we, we went and saw that in theaters, like the moment it came out, my brother and I went to the theater together and it was Absolutely. so great. Seeing that trailer, even reading the description, I, I just typed in at uh, the top, uh, the greatest movie trailers of all time and the Matrix and Jurassic Park are in the top 20. <laughs> Are they really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And in the Matrix, it says, uh, what does it say here? Uh, featuring a second tier Enigma track and offering an exhibition of both the bullet time cinematography, that's where mm. things slow down, uh, and wire work martial arts, that's when they're flying yeah. around and flipping in the air. They float a little longer than humanly possible. Yeah, American movies hadn't explored that yet. Nope. So the Matrix trailer drew in audiences the second Carrie Ann Moss began running up walls, and Keanu Reeves rightfully said, whoa. <laughs> yep. And that's what we said. We said, whoa. That's exactly. Whoa. That's really cool that our trailers were confirmed by the internet. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I think anything you want can be confirmed by the internet Ooh, these days. That's a, that's a podcast. Yeah. That's a podcast. Yeah. Rooted in Renegade, we are in week five, but in Acts 3, um, and <laughs> which we take our time at Westside going through the scriptures. I'm thankful for that. Uh, I'm going to read from the text. I'm just going to read what we read on Sunday, verses 1 through 8, and then 13 through 23, and, uh, and then we'll just kind of dive right in. <clears throat> Acts chapter 3, reading the ESV. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer the ninth hour. And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask alms or money of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms, some money. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Let's go. And he took him, let's go is in my translation. (laughs) And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. Let's jump down to verse 13. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant, Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you, and you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses, and his name, by faith in his name, 
has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers, but what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Moses said, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him and whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. Thanks be to God for his word. Amen. Thanks be to God. So you've entitled this week, and very appropriately so from what we see in the text, A Map for a Miracle. Yeah, man. A Map for a Miracle. And just before we get into this, um, you sort of spent some time like encouraging people, hey, we're getting into subject matter here as we have the last few weeks that are really like question heavy. That yeah. really kind of um, evokes some questions within us as believe. Listen, guys, when we come to the scriptures, sometimes they're a great mystery and we don't have all the answers. And and really quickly, what's yeah. so unique about the book of Acts is one of the first weeks we asked the question, is this descriptive, is this prescriptive? And what makes the book of Acts so interesting is that it moves in and out of those very right. quickly. So Peter will give a very didactic prescriptive response to what shall we do? Right. Repent and be baptized. Right. But then when Luke is writing, it's narrative form. Right. And so that's why a lot of questions arise right. in the book of Acts is people read it and they blindly say, everything that happened in the early church in the book of Acts needs to happen today. Right. And then you go, well, you know, we need to figure these things out. So yeah. again, that's why these questions arise. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're going to be going through the book of Acts all the way up till like the second or third week of November. I think we do a split on November 21st and then we start Advent. Hello. We're there yeah. already. Yep. But between now and then, we want you guys to send us questions that you may have. And we just realized this morning that <laughs> that uh, we have dropped the ball. We um, Our servers have essentially been uh, wrongly routing any questions that have been sent. So for the last, like, I don't know, since we've been doing the podcast. There's somebody somewhere at yeah. a computer in Europe going, <laughs> Pentecost? <laughs> what does this have to we do? Got, we got it all worked out. So if you want to send us questions at info at westsidepb.org, please do that with any questions regarding the book of Acts or anything in the past that we've missed. And for those of you who have sent in questions and have heard my mouth on this podcast say, you guys aren't sending anything in. I'm so sorry. Please send them back. Please send them back. Yes. Send, send us all the questions that you sent. And, and we, we will backlog these. Yeah, I yeah. will absolutely. We'll go back yes. through it. We'll revisit them. Yes. So, so let's talk about the movement um, that we've seen. Let's sort of like recap um, Acts 2 to Acts 3. Uh, how do we see um, movements, uh, moments create movements, and then how do we kind of get introduced to the Holy Spirit and how he moves us into practicing and proclaiming the gospel and all of that? Let's walk through yeah. where we've been, and then we'll kind of jump in. So the significance of that is we took two weeks to go through Acts chapter 2 because that's absolutely what it takes, and you could probably take four weeks. Yeah. I mean, just to be a hundred percent honest, because, yeah. and I said this Sunday and it's a big statement, mm. but Acts chapter two is the hinge on which the old covenant and the old Testament and the new covenant yeah. um, 
Acts 2, and then when the Gentiles get accepted in, are these big hinges that this door of the Bible sort of opens on. Yeah. Because what we see is, is that this is the fulfillment of the promise from the Father. Yeah. That when Jesus says, my Father, you need to wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father, right. because he will send the Holy Spirit. And so we see this significant change that now the Holy Spirit, the very spirit and presence of God dwells in believers. And so that's sort of the recap of Acts 2 is the Holy Spirit, God's spirit in us. But Acts 3 is the transition of now the Holy Spirit through us. And, And we see a preview that in Acts 2, it says that in verse 43, and it all came upon on, on every soul and many wonders and signs were yeah. being done through the apostle. But we don't have any of those recorded until Acts 3. Yeah. So Acts 3 is the very first recorded sign miracle yeah. of the New Testament church. Yeah, no, that's really good. And it's a huge deal. Like yeah. that, I love the language that you use. You got it here in your notes and you said it on Sunday. The apostles continue the ministry of Jesus. Yep. Um, it's not something that, like, let me ask it this way. Why is it important to know that we don't ask God to bless what we're doing, Mm. that God doesn't just send us on a mission far removed from himself, but that we join in the continuation of the kingdom work God is doing? Yeah, for sure. Well, I think it goes back to Jesus's marching orders, and it's called the Great Co-Mission, C-O, which is short for cooperative. Yeah. So God has invited us into his mission. Yeah. It's not find your own mission. Yeah. It is join God's work yeah. and God's mission and what he's doing. Yeah. And we no more see that fully than in through the life of Christ. Yeah. That's sort of the preview of what that looks like. And then it's carried over into the life of the church. Yeah, man. How how is like let's say let's say we answer the call to the great commission. And I know the apostles, it's it's go baptize people in the name Lord Jesus Christ and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you and behold I am with you always even to the end of the age but then you also have the the greatest summarization of the law that Jesus gives to the rich young ruler love the Lord your God with all your heart soul mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself how do we gleaning from Acts chapter 3 and what we've seen in, in chapters 1 and 2 join in the commission and the work with the kingdom of God yeah, I'm, I mean, I think they both go together, and they go together in the lives of believers. Yeah. And so what Peter and John are doing, we see in verse 1, now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer. Yeah. They were doing something that they regularly did. God does something extraordinary at the regular, ordinary rhythm and routine of their yeah. life. That's good. And I think the quicker that Christians understand that, yeah. Um, that God is always present and at work. So when you are, um, I've just tried to become very aware now that our kids are in sports or pickup lines yeah. or we have school, you know, regular rhythms now. And yeah. we are at the father daughter. And so like all of these things now, it, it is our life. Right. But at the same time, there are people involved in it. And so yeah. as I'm in the pickup line, I see somebody that I know or engaging in conversations. Yeah. And so I think it's very important to know that it's the as you go, yeah. as you're going, yeah. you are living out the great commission and the great commandment. Yeah, that's good. Well, we see we see the we see these signs that we see from the preview of Acts 243. All came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done.
done. And so we we really hone in on this idea of signs and miracles yep. um, this week, which I absolutely love because it's something I think that deserves a lot of time and attention, um, not just because of how magnificent they are, but also from the ways that we maybe sort of view them through the wrong context. Sure. So I want to talk about three questions that you asked in your sermon. What is a miracle? What's the point of it? And why don't we see them today like we did in the Bible? What is a miracle? Like, can we just start there? We sure. Unpack one, one of these one at a time. Yeah, I think there's a number, and this is why I love this podcast. So, one of the ways that we need to correct our understanding of a miracle, and I learned this studying this, and I found it really helpful. Oftentimes, people will define a miracle as God superseding the natural laws or the natural order of things. Right. Jesus walking on water, turning water into wine. You know, this is superseding the natural um, order of things. But the reality is, is that, and, and we see this a little bit later on in the text, it's not so much superseding the order as it is restoring right. things to the rightful order. Yeah. And, and they always we involve, are disordered. Yes, yeah. yes. And they always involve suffering and everything like that. So the definition that we worked with was a miracle is an extraordinary move of God that authenticates mm. the message of the gospel. Yeah. Why do we stop immediately on Sunday and even now reading this? I feel like our definition stops is at a miracle is an extraordinary move of God. Yep. Period. Why, yeah. do, why do we do that? Why do yeah. we put that period there? Why is authenticating the message of the gospel hinged on the end of that? Yeah, and, and that's where our Bible knowledge is really important because when you survey and look, whether it be the Old Testament, the plagues, right. which were miracles, what, yeah. were the, what was the purpose of the plagues? Right. It was so every time Moses could go to Pharaoh and go, bro, we ain't kidding. Right. Like yeah. we worship the one true yeah. God. Like yeah. these things are happening. Yeah. So you can listen to me. Yeah. Jesus does these miracles. So then, you know, in John's gospel, it says, you know, that his hour had come or, you know, when Jesus's mother says, Hey, are you going to do this? And he says, it's not my time. Right. Because inevitably the miracle is a doorway for the message. Yeah. And we no more clearly see that than in the book of Acts. Yeah. That really the purpose of that to take place is to authenticate yeah. and get people's attention and go, wait a second. Yeah. This was real. This is not David Blaine stuff. This is legit. We need to listen to what these guys have to say. Yeah. No, that's really good. Like there are... I can't remember the passage that I'm referring to, but Jesus is talking to a group of people and he's essentially saying, blessed are you, you haven't seen the signs and you still believe in me. Yeah. Um, which I still find fascinating. He even says it to, he even says it to uh, Thomas. He says, because you've seen me, you've believed, but blessed are those who haven't seen and right. believed, which is so fascinating. A hundred percent. Ultimately a point of pointing to the message of the gospel and the person of Jesus. And I would say that we have more evidence than Thomas. Yeah which is bonkers, yeah. but anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I love that word. Yeah. So what is a miracle? It's an extraordinary move of God, no full stop yet, that authenticates the message of the gospel. So what's the purpose of a miracle? What's the point of a miracle? Like, did Jesus come down and just to heal people and restore them from their suffering back to the rightful way and then bounce? Or is it something greater than that? What's yeah. the point of a miracle? I think absolutely. And and working through the book of Acts and seeing that is, is that a point of a miracle is to point to Jesus. Yeah. Um, Peter immediately deflects a hundred percent by, yeah. hey, it was by faith 
this man was made well by faith, but yeah. by faith in the name of Jesus. It's always Jesus. It's just yeah. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And yeah. then when we see Jesus doing his miracles, yeah. John says that it's a sign to point that he's the one. Yeah. And all of these miracles, you know, we lose sight of these things because of the context. We, we were not in the context. We we're not of the ethnicity of the Jewish people. Right. But every one of Jesus's miracles that he does is a big deal. Yeah. yeah. Like the water to wine on a wedding day. All of these things were yeah. massively symbolic to point to the coming Messiah. Yeah. So again, the, the miracle is not the end. The yeah. miracle is a means to something. Right. And that means is to authenticate the gospel message or the gospel messenger, but at the same time to point to Jesus. Yeah. No, that's good. And you said something here that leads us to our third question. You said that we culturally and ethnically are on a completely different page. Um, and that kind of leads to this last question, which I very well could have seen. Some I don't, Maybe somebody emailed this to you or not. But sure. um, why don't we see miracles today like we do in the like we do in the Bible days or when we read the scriptures. Why don't we see the same sort of healings or I mean we're in a Western America. I don't I've never seen somebody get out of a wheelchair. Sure. That I know yeah. and, and walk. I've never yeah. seen somebody miraculously healed of a certain disease or whatever. So why why don't we see miracles today like we do in the Bible? Yeah. Again, I think it goes <coughs> excuse me, back to the definition. Yeah. Number one, I said Sunday, we do. Yeah. Um, and what I mean by that is the greatest miracle is salvation. Yeah, amen. And, and God is saving people. Yeah. And so that is by far that God would take a broken and rebel humanity and draw them back to himself through yeah. the power of his spirit and through the proclamation of his word yeah. is the greatest miracle. Number two, I think if you were to talk to missionaries on the foreign fields, people where there is poverty and persecution in those countries, yeah. I hear reports all the time of massively miraculous things that are taking place. Yeah. I have got to see a few things at Westside. I have prayed and my wife and I have prayed with two couples who have struggled with infertility for years and yeah. years and years. Yeah. Yeah, and man. doctors told them, you need to go the adoption route. You need yeah. to do this. In our office, weeping, crying, asking God in faith, yeah. and both of those families check kids in Sunday. Yeah. Um, and so I think we do, but I think we need to build some framework around it because yeah. they also had framework as well. Right. They had a worldview. And so the first thing we said was, why don't we see miracles like we do today? Well, because of God's common grace and the advancement of human medicine. Uh-oh. We believe in science? Right. Yeah. <laughs> so one of the things is, you know... Peter's mother-in-law um, has a fever right. in the Gospels, really high fever. That's something you died from. Right. I mean, if you're hot and sweaty and clammy back then, yeah. your mind immediately goes to death. Right. I ate something that had something in it. I mean, they didn't drink water. Right. Like, I mean, this is a completely different context. Yeah. And so some of these miracles that are being performed because of sanitation and things that we have today, but here's what the Christian believes that God is always present and at work. Yeah. And as James says, every good gift yeah. comes from the Father of lights above. Amen. So an x-ray machine, yeah. an IV with hydration uh, medicine in it, yeah. um, even chemotherapy. Yeah. I mean, all of these other things in their forms are a gift to humanity yeah. through human invention. But if we keep boiling it down, who gave them the brain? Who gave them right. the abilities? Right. We believe that God can heal someone through medicine. Yeah. It was just the means that he chose 
chose to do it. So, I mean, anytime you and I pray for anybody, we go and visit people in the hospital, we immediately thank God for the hospital, for the doctor, for the nurses, and for the common grace of medicine. And we say, if you heal them through this, we will give you praise. But we are also asking to supersede those things and to have an extraordinary move of God. Yeah. So I think that's the first answer. Yeah, and that's really good. Well, the second one you've got here is because of God's sovereign plan of redemption. Yeah. Which I know we talked about the greatest the greatest miracle that's done is salvation. But yeah. like how is God's sovereignty of redeeming the world back to himself playing this role of like we don't see the miracles or at least what we want to call a miracle sure. uh, in the way that we see it in the Bible. Yeah, um, Galatians chapter 6 says, When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son. Yeah. Jesus was born at God's sovereign moment in history. Yeah. Um, under the Roman government, Roman roads were being built, all of these type of things. Just how Jesus' birth was prophesied in a sovereign plan of God, so was the birth of the New Testament church. Yeah. And so the reason why, again, we are seeing such specific things happen in the book of Acts is because it is a specific time in God's sovereign plan of redemption. And so God needs to authenticate this message. He also needs to put his stamp of authentication and accreditation on the apostles. And this is a peculiar time in history. And so that's why we also see some particular things. Yeah, that's really good. Jeremiah 17, 9, um, bringing us to our next one, says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? And in 2 Timothy chapter 4, it says, There's a time coming when people won't endure sound teaching, but have itching ears that they'll accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander into myths. The third point we have here of why we don't see miracles today like we do in the Bible days is because of the hardening of the human heart. Yep. Um, in what ways is a level of comfort, a level of hardening of our heart or searching within ourselves, remove us from seeing these sorts of things today? Yeah. There's two times in the Gospels that Jesus is amazed. Yeah. He's amazed at the centurion's faith, a Roman soldier, and he's like, I have not encountered any faith like this in Israel. Yeah. And then he is left amazed at the unbelief of the people in his hometown. Yeah. And so we inevitably see in the scriptures that what the human mind and heart will do because it is so broken with sin is it will rationalize and yeah. it will deny anything that it sees. Yeah. And I mean, the scripture that you just read, and there's so there's a plethora of yeah. so many more that it is inevitably true, Romans 1, that when the closer Jesus comes, the harder it's going to get for people to understand these yeah. miracles that God is doing. Yeah. So absolutely. That's exactly what was happening to Pharaoh too. The Lord even says at one point, I, I'm hardening his heart or his right. heart is becoming hard in the midst of each of these plagues coming. And there is a resistance to him towards the Lord on a regular basis. But um, the last one is that, well, you did you quote Wesley? Who'd you quote when you said maybe the church is too comfortable? I can't remember who you quoted. Um, I'm not, oh, I think it was Leonard Ravenhill. Ravenhill, that that was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The fact that we're too, we're too uh, cozy, I think was the word. Yeah. He's English. He's like, he's like old school English. Just imagine a pipe and then like a brandy and a fire. Like that's, that's, that's America. Um, and the last one we see is this, because we don't see the ordinary everyday miracles of God as miracles in and of themselves. God meets us in reality. He's present and at work and where we are. God is absolutely working. I think the question is just, are we aware? Sure. Are we aware of this? I mean, I see the psalmist in Psalm 19 just be like, 
who is man that you were mindful of him? Yeah. You know, or that, that's not Psalm 19, but um, just the idea like the, in Psalm 19, he says, you're, the skies above are your handiwork. Yeah. And that the, the skies heavens declare the glory of God. The heavens declare the glory yeah. of God. And so he's looking at a starlit night and he's yeah. just amazed, yeah. at, you know, and we don't have that perception. Yeah. We don't see like the psalmist sees in that. So that was yeah. just. Again, that was just a few bullet points to sort of yeah. hit because inevitably I knew that that que- when I say miracles, that's the question that's coming yeah. for sure. No, that's good. We also don't see stars anymore because light pollution. <laughs> but um, one of the things in the show notes is there's going to be two links. One is to C.S. Lewis's book entitled Miracles, yeah. which sort of takes a, a, a bit more of a philosophical approach. Really good stuff, though. Yeah. Really good. And then secondly, there's a theological position paper, which is uber long and really in depth. But here's the thing, guys. If you have big questions, they require big work. Let's go. So you can't say like, oh, well, I don't believe in this and then not read this position paper. Yeah. Um, It's going to take longer than eight minutes on YouTube. Yes, 100%. But I think it will be well worth your time. Yeah, that's good. Well, a word that we see repeatedly used, and even in the Gospels, in John chapter 4, is the word sign. Um, This was now the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judea to Galilee in John 4, 54. We talked about the purpose of a sign, the purpose of a sign is to point to something. Yep. It's to guide you and to direct you somewhere. I remember you telling me that story that you used on Sunday about Google Maps and like the arrow was there, but it wasn't loading. It right. was still yeah. telling it, you you were kind it, of in the right it area. It told me but, where I was. You, it didn't tell me where I needed to go, but though. you needed the signs with the balloons on them 100%. to direct and to guide you to where you needed to go. Yep. So that's kind of where we unpack the rest of the sermon here is we get these three points of where miracles and where these signs point to. Yeah. And the first one we get is this. Miracles point upward to the king. Look in your Bibles if, you're, if you've got them with you as, as we're reading this and as we're doing this in verse 6 of chapter 3. In the name of Jesus Christ yep. of Nazareth, getting straight to it, yep. rise up and walk. And in verse 16, and in his name, by faith in his name, he has made this man strong whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus, again, his name, has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. They're like asking what's going on and he's expositing the reason and what this miracle is actually pointing to. Right. He's not just saying God, God, God did this for this man to resurrect him and, or to bring him back to the full restoration of what God's initial creation was. Although that's part of it. The main point is he's pointing this guy, he's pointing this group of people to Jesus, showing them that Jesus is the point that this sign is pointing to. Yeah. And then you talked about this term accreditation. Yeah. Um, you remember being a, a, a kid in a Christian school in Texas and there was buzz going around that this school was finally going to be accredited yep. and recognized by the state. The Oxford English Dictionary defines accredited as of a person or organization or course of study officially officially recognized or here's the word authorized. Yeah. So we're going to talk about the King James. <laughs> right. Just kidding. Authorized. So you mentioned the Holy Spirit accrediting the message and the Holy Spirit accrediting the messenger. Yeah. Here's what's Both fun. Yeah. Let's get real fun. Yeah. When Moses did miracles, so did Pharaoh's witches. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, well, I have a question based on that a little bit. Okay. Later, but oh, yeah. That, that's a, well, that's this question right here. So talk about that. I yeah. Mean, we're, yeah. We, we're people, we swing to the extremes. Un- sure. Like, we were talking about a few weeks back, an unhealthy overemphasis of the spirit yeah. to use that as an anchor for this question. How can we identify the difference between a an actual miracle versus something that we're making out to be a miracle, maybe when it's really not? 
Yeah, I mean, that one's going to be hard just because we can turn something, anything into anything, you know, on our end. I can turn my staff into a snake too. Right, and so, but here's the thing. When it comes to that context and we're dealing with miracles and supernatural and all of that, to, that's why Paul says we wrestle not with just flesh and blood. Yeah. So what he's saying is, is you need to raise your gaze. Yeah. You need to look above. It's not yeah. just an argument with your wife or a family conflict. There are principalities and forces at play. Where yeah. there is good, there is resistance to that good. Yeah. And we see that you know Pharaoh's witches do stuff. Yeah. You know, but what those dark arts and everything do is that they end on themselves. Yeah. Meaning, right. he turned his staff into a snake too. Right. Well, that wasn't Moses' end game. Right. Moses' Moses's end game was to get in to talk to Pharaoh, right. to say, let my people go. Yeah. So I always think that the distinction for a miracle, and the sentence we said is miracles are not the goal. Yeah. That that they are not the end game. They yeah. are a means to something. Yeah. And the means is to accreditate or validate the gospel message or the gospel messenger. Yeah. So there's always something larger at play. Yeah. And I think anytime, you know, we look at shenanigans or this, that, and the other, the end game there is always just the miracle. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Seeking. I mean, read yeah. John chapter six, where right. people are following Jesus, wanting to get fed from the buffet again. Right. And Jesus is like, no, no, no. Yeah. You guys don't want to hear me preach. Yeah. You just want the miracle. Yeah. I think there is when we really start getting down to the yeah. nitty gritty. Yeah. Well, I want to ask that question. Like, I think about I think about Elijah on on, on Mount Carmel. Like yeah. The, the prophets of Baal are cutting themselves, and he's mocking them. Like, is your God using the bathroom? Whatever. But then <laughs> yeah. he pours so much water on this altar, yep. and the Lord burns it all up with fire from heaven. But the the point of that was not to just display like Elijah's connection or power or whatever. It was to point these people to the living God yep. to show that this God is the one who answers prayers and does things and moves reality and moves things. And, and inevitably so, what we always see after a miracle is they worshiped. Right, right. It's exactly what 100%. happens in that passage that you're talking 100%. about. But going back to what you were saying, like wanting a gift, wanting yeah. a miracle, is it wrong to want the gift? Dude, I mean, no, man. Yeah. I mean, it's, listen, guys. <sighs> I just think about my kids asking me for stuff when I ask this question. Yeah. Yeah. When I preach, you know, one of the tensions is when I'm reading these books and all of this stuff and it's about miracles, there's somebody out there who sat next to a hospital bed and begged God with every fiber in their being to let their loved one stay alive. Yeah. And so it's not just ivory tower stuff. Right, right. Um, I think the important thing is is to remember in 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 these moments is yes you it is oh god says jesus says ask your father these things just like your children ask you stuff yeah and ask in faith yeah but but always remember that your father is good yeah and and whatever he gives you is good even if you don't think that yeah but i think what's important is always to remember is is man am i engaging this and thinking if this remains healthy or if i get this then I'll be happy. Right. Because if that's the answer, then you're seeking the gift above the giver. Yeah. But if you're saying, God, I want this and you know, I I almost don't even need to use words to let you know how bad I want this. Yeah. But in the end, you're good. Yeah. 
And if all I have is you, then yeah. that's all I have. Yeah. Then I think we're getting into real stuff. Yeah. Real stuff. Now that's, I, yeah, I just think about a relationship between a parent and a kid as well. Just thinking about the idea of, uh, I would much rather my kid want to, when my, when my kids ask me for something, I'm elated to give it to them because sure. I know it, it gets them happy. It Absolutely. Them, it brings them joy. But ultimately, I want to train them up to know that they love mom and dad more than they love what mom and dad can give to them. Amen. And that's something that we strive to do in our house. I mean, I think of Jeremiah. L- listen to the words from Jeremiah 33. God says, call to me and I will answer you. Yeah. I, I will answer you, and but I'll show you things that you don't even know. Like this is a God who, and it doesn't begin with ask me something. Right. It doesn't begin with ask me for your provisions. It says call to me. Yep. Come to me. And I think that's a, a wonderful illustration and actually just a wonderful mining of scripture to, to draw Absolutely. that out, that miracles point upward to the king. And the second thing we get is miracles point forward to the kingdom. Yeah. Forward to the kingdom. Talk about Luke like, and his yeah. <laughs> doctorishness, like joints and yeah, ankles coming together and all of that. It's really, really interesting. Um, there in the verses, in verse 7, and he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet yeah. and ankles were made strong. I that, hear like a crackling noise. Yeah, yeah, that phrase, his feet and ankles, are two separate words. Yeah. They're only used here in the entire Bible. And they are medical terms. These are old Greek words that like in Latin and all of that stuff that you would have learned in medical school. And then in verse eight, he says leaping twice, very specifically. And leaping up, he stood. And then he goes to the temple walking and leaping and praising God. And so Luke is using very specific words. This is outside the temple there's very specific things that are happening here. And the reason is, is everybody would have known the prophecy of Isaiah 35, which essentially says that in verse five, then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer. Same word, leap. Yeah, you you know what's interesting is in the beginning, Luke says that he was lame from birth. Yeah, which means that I believe in God's sovereignty with the prophecy of Isaiah 35, it says the lame man will leap like a deer. So there could have been no question. It wasn't like, oh, this guy fell off his horse and then became lame. This is the lame man. He's always been here. And that is a prophecy of the coming kingdom. But then in verse 21, Peter says, this Jesus whom heaven must receive... Here it is, until the time for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. So what's he saying? He's saying that there's going to be a day that when you see this miracle is going to be the reality. It's going to be the regular every single day thing. And I I had a ton of help from Tim Keller here because he, he has a really cool thing where he says, like, why didn't why did the miracles always uh, basically alleviate suffering? Yeah. They never did like, I'm yeah. going to write your name in the sky. Right. Like, yeah. you know, like Bruce Almighty when he's flexing <laughs> and showing how to be God. Yeah. He, we never see that in the scriptures. Right. And, and essentially what Keller says is, is that it's to remind us and let us know that God restores all things. Yeah. That God did not invent blindness, sickness, 
or lameness. Yeah. God did not create a world with suffering and death, but he came into a world filled with suffering and yeah. death. Yeah. I, I don't know. I just love to yeah. understand that, man, that's, that's really incredible. Good. Well, this, the, what struck me was the, what struck me this week when you were referencing Isaiah 35 and then verse 21 of, of Acts chapter three was that aha moment that the Jews would have had in that, in that time. And we, I believe that we can have those same aha moments because we know that Jesus came. That's their aha moment, that the kingdom of God is now. But we also know that Jesus is coming again. Yeah. And so how can we recognize when we see a, a miracle, when we see an extraordinary move of God that authenticates the gospel? Is it, is it having a, a head full of scripture? Is it being aware of God moving in our lives? How can we have that aha moment or recognize from our knowledge of the scriptures when we see a miracle? Yeah, I think the response has got to be one of humility and worship, right? So, yeah. so, so I think if it if it points you and, and makes you go, wait a second, something else is at work here, yeah. because it says that they were going to the temple and that he was leaping and praising God. Yeah. Well, one of the first requirements to praise God is humility. Right. And so I think if it births in you that level of humility, either that I'm not worthy right. or why did I receive this yeah. versus, yes, right. I finally got what I've always wanted. Right. I think those are two yeah. majorly different responses. Yeah. And and as we're going to see this coming week in Acts 4, they get in trouble for this. Yeah. So there's some Jews right. who see this, know the prophecy, and lock up Peter and John. Right. And so I think the the message of that is is that God is sovereign and and whoever hears the message yeah. hears the message. Yeah. And some people will see what the sign is pointing to yeah. and then some people will only see the sign. Yeah. No, that's really that's really really good. You talked about movie previews which we opened with. Yes. And uh, miracles are just like a like a coming like that green screen yep. like approved for general audiences to preview of the coming film or whatever. Yeah, man. That's that's miracles pointing to the kingdom of God, man. Yes. That's that's miracles this day and age that we see. They point to Jesus and it's just as the kingdom of God, just as they have in the scriptures. The third thing that we see here is miracles point inwards to our brokenness. Yep. Miracles point inward to the brokenness. Understanding provision for this lame man, the way that you unpacked this, I mean, it says it right here. Like he saw in verse three, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked them for money. Right. He asked them to receive alms. I, I, and my, my wife and daughter were sitting next to me uh, when we got through that portion uh, when we got to here, and I missed that part. And I was like, maybe, did he ask for money? And I just, that's why you look at your Bible. <laughs> uh, did he? Oh, yeah, he did right there in verse three. But Peter looked at, he, he directed his gaze at him, like this intent focus. And John did as well. And he said, look at us. Yep. So they have this moment, and they're connecting. And Peter said, I don't have any money. Yep. I don't have this, but what I do have, I give to you. Yeah. What does he have that he's giving to him? Mm. And what is this brokenness that is being addressed that's beyond the lameness yeah. of this man? You want to hear a really cool story? No, let's keep going. Um, in, <laughs> Just kidding. In yes, the please. early church, I think it's Athanasius, I can't remember, but one of the early popes is said to have been counting a bunch of money one day after receiving alms and looks over um, and says, see, my dear friend, the church can no longer say gold or silver I do not have. 
To which Athanasius says, then maybe that's why it also cannot say, rise up and walk. Oh my gosh. Look how rich we are. Look how lame you are. <laughs> Just so gangster, man. Oh, so, so gangster. So but great. I think spending time in this, this man really thought that his greatest need was material possessions. Yeah. That if I could just get 20 bucks today, yeah. or if I could just get X amount, then yeah. this would alleviate my suffering. Then think about this. If you would have really have pressed him and he would have said, well, the greatest need in my life is for my legs to work. Right. I mean, if my legs could work, yeah, all my problems would be solved. Yeah. I imagine Peter, when he looked at him, maybe there was this moment. Yeah. It's obviously not in the text, but Peter could have said, look at all these people. They have their legs. Yeah. And do you think that they're perfectly happy? Do you wow. think do you think they have problems? Do you think they lie in bed at night and say if only I had blank, then I wouldn't blank? That tells me that there's a greater need that's yeah. underneath that. That that there's something that's at work and at play in our lives. Yeah. And the reality is, is that I think this is how we all come to Jesus and it's yeah. okay because yeah. you still come to Jesus. Yeah. But inevitably what Jesus does is that he always takes it deeper. Yeah. To which I would also say this, if you are a Christian who's coming to church, you're coming to church like this lame beggar because I right. see it all the time. What are your pro, What are your kids' programs? Yeah. What's your student ministry? Right. Do you have small groups? Yeah. My wife and I need to get around some people. Yeah. What you're saying is, I'm coming to this church to receive some material goods. Yeah. I have a problem in my life that needs to be fixed. Right. Now that's okay. Right. And that I think you've come to the right place. But the difference maker is is the people that realize there's a greater need that's under that. Yeah. And obviously, you know, we asked the question Sunday, like, what if the thing you think you need most yeah. isn't your greatest need? Yeah. Because I thought this all week. <clears throat> At a technical level, Jesus or Peter did not meet this man's expectation. Yeah. Because the man's expectation was money. Right. And Peter says, ain't got none. Yeah. No money here, bud. Yeah. So then that means that, well, man, he didn't fulfill my expectations. Right. But he gave me something greater. Yeah. So what if the disappointments, the unmet expectations, and the wallowing that we feel in our life is actually because God realizes that's not what you need. Yeah. You need something greater than that. Yeah. I don't know, man. I well, just think it's something to ponder. I have a follow-up question that kind of ties into that um, because- I'm just going to ask it. How as we, how can we, as fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, comfort somebody who doesn't receive the quote miracle that they were asking for, yeah. the thing that they thought they needed, yeah. which may have been a good thing. Sure, hundred percent. Yeah, I think the first response is to simply grieve with them. Yeah, and to be honest and say what yeah. you just said. Right. Romans 12 comes to mind for me. Yeah, rejoice with those who rejoice. Yes. Weep with those who, yeah. This seemed like a good thing. We yeah. asked God, we sought the scriptures. We, yeah. And I think just be present. Yeah. And then, you know, I don't think you hit them with religious platitudes. I don't yeah. think you do anything. I think you're just present with them, yeah. you know. But I think understanding at the end of the day, at some point arriving back to God's goodness yeah. in, in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, yeah. We've, we've had... 
a devastating amount of loss of life within our church community yeah. just within the last three months. I just spoke with a friend on the phone who just lost somebody just this morning who, who lost a dear family member. And lately, within these last three months, I've just found myself saying, I don't know what else to say other than I love you so much and yep. I'm so sorry. Yep. And that's it. There's a, there's a relief for the believer who's providing comfort to minimize it to that amount and to not try and say stupid things right. <laughs> like yeah. God needed another angel or everything happens for a reason or any of that stuff. I think there's a great humility and a great service to the Christian faith when we communicate to people, I don't know, but I love you and I'm so sorry. Yeah. I mean, before yeah. Jesus performed any miracle with Lazarus, he wept and the yeah. people said, look how he loved him. Yeah. I mean, and so I think there is, there's yeah. just a minute. We are supposed to feel these feelings. Yes. yes. And dangerous things happen when we begin to deflect yeah. or spiritually bypass or avoid those things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we said that what if the thing that you needed most isn't your greatest need, and then the follow-up for that was the greatest need that every single person has is a relationship with God the Father based on grace and forgiveness. Yeah. Yeah. So I, the question I have here is what if we are treating the thing that we are praying, praying for as our greatest need? Like we've talked about that a little bit, but what needs to happen in our hearts in order to – and maybe this is a question that only the Holy Spirit can answer, mm. act out in our hearts. But what shift or change needs to happen that says, I love the giver more than the gift? I don't think it's going to be an answer that people like. What I see in Scripture is that God doesn't give it to you mm. or God takes it yeah. to let you know that you're left now. You know, I can't remember who says it, but Jesus becomes the only thing you need when he's the only thing you have. Mm. And oftentimes, I mean, I think that's a lot of people's testimony Yeah, is that it was all stripped away. My knee blew out. This happened, the car wrecked, everything. Yeah. You know, I'm going to talk about this week. Why does Peter say Jesus, the cornerstone? Mm -hmm. That's the thing that you build everything else on. Right. And so if you're building on that anything else, you know, and, and most of the time for us as Christians, idolatry happens when we take a good thing and make it a God thing. Yeah. And so what would be awful is, is that we're praying for, you know, a child and then we get a child and then we never dedicate our life or that child's life to the service of the Lord or like those. Right. Then what we do, we get this gift and then we run off on Christmas Day and lock ourselves in the room right. and don't interact with how much our parents and our father in heaven loves us. Yeah. And so I think primarily what has to happen is, is you need to see that he's all you have. Yeah. And then, the, then you realize he's all you need yeah. in those moments. No, that's so good. Uh, Bob Coughlin, um, author of Worship Matters, and just a guy I look up to. He's been a worship pastor at, at Sovereign Grace for decades. And he, he has this line that he says, um, in referring to worship, he says, music is great, but Jesus is greater. Amen. And I'm thinking about filling in music with miracles. Miracles mm. are great, but Jesus is greater. 100%. And I think ultimately, this is where we see this transition and this shift in the text and the sermon from this week. We get into an application of the great, we move from miracles to salvation. Yeah. We move from, from momentary things that make life better to a permanent thing that gives eternal life. Yep. And so what, so what's our solution? Like, Peter, Peter tells us how to respond to this miracle, as you have here in your notes, in verse 19. 
we're talking we go from a lame man who has been made and restored whole to repent. Yep. Repent That's therefore it, man. and turn back that your sins can be blotted out that the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. How can this this turning away from our sin and changing our mind about it and then turning our hearts toward God, how is that tied in with this idea of paying attention to miracles and how they point inward to our brokenness and to Jesus and to the kingdom of God? Yeah, I mean, the, I mean, the application is always, I love when, you know, Peter says, repent, the word means to change your mind, but here we have one of the clearest definitions and he says, therefore, and turn back. Yeah. So that means, you know, we said the definition, repentance is turning from sin. Yeah. And I think that's the definition that we all know. Yeah. Bad, 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 wrong, 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 sin, 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 yeah. stop, don't do this, put right. that down. You know, that's and what he's hot. telling them to repent from is the is, is not just the fact, he's, he's, it has nothing to do with the miracle. He's sure. talking about what they did to Jesus, whom yes. they crucified, whom yes. they killed. And so he's essentially saying, you have rejected the one who provides the miracles. Yes. That is what you repent for. That is what you turn back from, that your yes. sins are blotted out. And so, yeah, you turn back from that way of thinking, but then yeah. you turn to Jesus, who I love the way that you said that, is better than this miracle. Yeah, He's the reason why all of this is happening. Yeah. Everything leads up to verse 19. Yeah. It's the whole point. Yeah. Peter's, the reason why this miracle even happened is so I could stand up and say, repent. Right. That's all they were getting ready to go to the temple to do anyway, was yeah. to preach Jesus. Yeah. It's it's just that Jesus interrupted it and showed up in a very real way, yeah. you know? No, that's really good. So if the point of a miracle is to point to Jesus, I love the closing illustration that you had from this Sunday with Joni Erickson Tata. I missed the, what was the picture? I was up on stage and couldn't see the picture. Oh, was the, um, it was just a picture of her in her wheelchair. In her wheelchair, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, can you walk us through that story yeah. and then that quote that she has at the end? Yeah, I've shared Joni's story a bunch just because, I mean, when it, when you talk about suffering, I don't know of a right. life. Yeah. Um, but but Joni was a young, beautiful woman who was swimming with some friends and family one day, dove in, heard a crack, and felt her exact words in her autobiography where she felt pain and an electric shock go through her body, and she couldn't move anything. Mm. Um, and at that moment forward, at the age of 19, Joni became a quadriplegic. Mm. And a, a, a ton of pain through her body, um, but Joni is a believer, yeah. and she was a believer before that moment. And she speaks all across the country. She's written a ton of books. She's very famous for her radio station, Joni and Friends. She paints with a paintbrush in her mouth, wow. and the paintings go for auction. It's just really, really cool stuff. But one of her most famous blog posts that, that originated in her autobiography, that, but you can find it on her website, yeah. um, she, she says this. She says, I grew up in a little congregation where they read the gospel and sang hymns from the heart, and they kneeled in prayer. Mm. Sunday worship was serious business, and I learned as a child what it means to bend my knee before the Lord. Mm. Obviously, God listens whether his people pray standing or sitting or lying prostrate. So what's my point about kneeling? I wish I could do it. Mm. Being paralyzed, it's impossible for me to kneel for prayer. One time at a convention, the speaker closed his message by asking everyone in the room to kneel on the floor for prayer. All 500 people got on their knees, all except me. I cried, not because I felt awkward, but because I was struck with the beauty of seeing so many people bow in worship. And then this is it. She said, I breathed a prayer. Lord Jesus, 
I can't wait for the day when I will rise up on resurrected legs because the first thing I will then do is to drop on grateful, glorified knees. Yeah. That's somebody that understands a miracle. Yeah, man. It's That's beautiful. That's so good. That's so good. Will you close this out with four questions um, in an application? What miracle do you need in your life? Maybe you need Jesus as you're listening to this. It's the greatest miracle you can pray and ask for. Maybe you need something else. Maybe you love Christ. Maybe you got a loved one who's suffering. Maybe you're suffering yourself. What do you need in your life? What do you need? What do you most need to believe about the gospel in your life right now? Mm-hmm. What do you most need to believe about the good news of Jesus in your life right now? And then these two familiar questions. What is the Spirit saying to you from this text? And what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? I uh, I want to read from Revelation twenty one verses mm. one through five. Let's go. Uh, but once, but you got anything else uh, you want to share or? Bring no, up? ma'am. I'm just really excited where we're going in yeah. Acts. I love what gets brought up. I love um, seeing um, God's just plan. And I think one of the things that's significant is this sermon was a part of a service Sunday yeah. for our listeners, yeah. and at the first part of our service. We called for people to come forward, and we yeah. read out of James. Uh, Is anyone among you sick? May they yeah. call the elders or pastors of the church. And man, we had a very big response of people who yeah. came forward. Yeah. We anointed them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Prayed for healing for them, yeah. as oil in the Scripture is a physical symbol of the spiritual reality of the presence of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, um, did that. Had somebody who's getting deployed, who's in the army, going down for border patrol. Yeah, anointed him and prayed for them. Yeah. Um, and so I think what made the message. Um, so special, or at least I felt like that, was because it was a part of the totality of the church life, yeah. of the people praying and singing and coming yeah. forward and responding. And so that's what I'm loving about the study through Acts, is that it's not in a vacuum. Yeah. It's not just like this Bible study in isolation. Right. It is every Sunday looking at what God has for his church yeah. in the context of his church. That's good, man. That's so good. Such a beautiful time on Sunday morning just to see this played out as best we can on a Sunday to kind of act all this out. Revelation 21, verses 1 through 5. (coughs) Excuse me. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain, anymore for the former things have passed away and he who was seated on the throne said behold i am making all things new that's good news for me this morning man this afternoon uh we got some announcements for you guys uh we have some um some application signups for the worship team in the lobby at west side if you are gifted in the arts of illumination or amplification ministers of uh, illumination and amplification baby and we need an ishin word for streaming and slides and stuff like that but we've got applications for you for for the 
uh, instrumentalists and vocalists and audiovisual stuff, you want to sign up for that. If you are interested in being baptized, um, the Bible knows nothing of an unbaptized believer of Jesus. And if you're going to use the thief on the cross, then fine. You call us next time you're the exception and hanging next right. to Jesus. You say that. I love that. We've got a baptism class on October 20th at 6 p.m. So if you want to sign up for that in the lobby to be baptized, come to that class on the 20th. you learn about baptism and, and what it is and all of that. And then the baptism Sunday is October 24th, which yep. is a huge day. We've actually we yeah, got man. something going on for, for leaders as well that day, I think so. But we've got um, Sunday, October 24th, we'll have baptisms. It'll be a packed house. And then later that afternoon on the 24th we will have our fall fest whoop, whoop. which is a blast if you if you can make a pie you need to sign up for the bake auction and other goodies and stuff all that's at the welcome center at the church in um in the fellow and not the fellowship hall in the lobby that's what we call it right the lobby in the welcome center yeah yeah just the welcome center yeah, information, information station center. the one. information station that's it that's it so whoop, sign ups whoop. for that do all of that if we got anything else i'm missing out on i think that's everything no man sounds great right, sweet awesome we love you guys and we will see you next time thanks again for listening to the rest of the sermon send in your questions at info at westsidepb.org we promise we'll read them this they time they will come to us now <laughs> they will not be rerouted by our server or whatever's been going on we got it fixed send those questions to info at westsidepb.org. You can catch our live stream on Facebook Live right now at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings. You can worship with us at 2807 Shannon Drive in Poplar Bluff, Missouri at 10 a.m. And you can listen to this podcast wherever you're listening to it right now. So as always, may everything that we say and do be all about Jesus. We love you guys and we'll see you later.